Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa Namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma sambuddhasa Buddhang tamang sankhang namasami So, uh, uh, as most people uh, will be aware, I was away in Thailand with uh, Ajahn Kongrit uh, for about three weeks and uh, returned here to Amravati um, two or three days ago uh, on the 4th. So, uh, the um, in Thailand it's about half past two in the morning, quarter to three in the morning, so a little bit... <laughs> Bleary, I uh, must admit, um, not quite adjusted to the time zone as yet. But uh, um, so it was a very uh, full, uh, full visit. It was a fairly densely packed schedule. So the first week, um, I was uh, in uh, in Ubon Province in the northeast, uh, visiting uh, Wat Pa Nanacha, the International Forest Monastery. Uh, to spend time with the uh, the community there, also to go and uh, pay respects to a number of the uh, the local uh, senior ajans, or to particularly go to go to Wat Pong, the main monastery, and uh, pay our respects at the Chedi, the, where the relics of Lumpucha are kept, uh, the uh, the stupa at uh, the main monastery, and uh, to see Lumpur Liam, who's the abbot there, um, also to visit various other. Uh, local ajans in the area, and um, during that time, uh, I also went to, to visit, took a, a day, uh, a side trip from Ubon, which is sort of due east of Bangkok. Uh, I took a, a day to visit uh, Noi Thompson, uh, Kun Ying Noi, uh, who's up in Chiang Mai. She's very close to the end of her life, uh, has advanced uh, bowel cancer, and she's spread to other parts of her body, so the family has gathered around her. She's been a very dedicated Dhamma practitioner, done uh, dozens of retreats here at Amravati, and has been a very ardent supporter of of our communities, uh, Chithurst Monastery, Amravati, and uh, the Dhamma School, and um, many uh, many ways she's helped and supported our community for a long, long time. She's 90 years old now, and uh, uh, coming to the end of her, her days, so I took a, a a trip up to to visit her, spend time with her and her family, and uh, to wish her well and uh, offer my blessings at the end of her life. Then, coming back to to uh, Ubon, finished the time there, and then went uh, with Ajahn Kongrit and a few other Sangha members up to uh, to the uh, to Chiang Rai Province, which is even further north um, near the. Uh, border with Myanmar, about 10 kilometers from the border with Myanmar, and also close to the, the Lao border. It's up in the Golden Triangle area of, uh, of Thailand. And that's uh, where we held a 10-day meditation retreat for about 60 lay people. Uh, 
And uh, Sangha members that were there, Tan Pasado, who uh, was people will know from here, Amravati, Tan Deepako also uh, was ordained here. Um, and uh, they uh, good to re- uh, reconnect with them and then various other Sangha members from Watpa Nanachat uh, and also um, uh, a, a, a very newly newly minted bhikkhu, uh, bhikkhu Sujito, not Ajahn Sujito, uh, another Sujito uh, who had been helping out with the foreign language program at the, um, uh, the Ajahn Buddhadasa Center in Bangkok. He's now taken temporary ordination, so we had a, a good Sangha presence there. It's up in the hills in the north uh, north of Thailand. Um, as I was saying, it's quite beautiful, uh, rugged countryside around there, very forested, very green uh, hills covered in, in uh, orchards and, and uh, forest land. Uh, so there's no sound of, of uh, roads or, or even airplanes going overhead, just the sounds of the, the birds and the insects and the thunder, <laughs> thunder and lightning uh, of the uh, summer storms. And that was a very good opportunity. Uh, it's been two and a half years since I was last in, in Thailand, and I've tried to go a couple of times a year to maintain the connection with our community over there and uh, keep that um, sense of of uh, uh, relatedness with our uh, our sort of home base in in northeast Thailand, and also for the many people in Thailand who are very dedicated practitioners, students of of uh, Lumpur Cha, Lumpur Sumato, and, and Amravati. And so it was a good opportunity to, um, uh, say, have a 10-day retreat and to, um, say, give uh, the uh, the first chance for a face-to-face uh, retreat in Thailand. Uh, people have uh, done a lot of Zoom, uh, Zoom-based uh, uh, retreats and Dhamma events of one kind or another for a long time, but it was... Uh, very refreshing and uh, yeah, so delightful to be able to be in a room together, you know, like a a, a large uh, dhamma hall that the, they have at this. Um, it's a resort, but it's it's in a way it's it's structured more like a retreat center <laughs> than a, a regular resort. It's uh, uh, very much uh, very uh, very much what you need for a retreat environment. Uh, very good accommodation, very simple. Everything's built out of bamboo and. Um, but it has a, a good power supply for fans and air conditioning, which is much appreciated in Thailand in June. Even up in the north, in the hills, it's still hot and sticky. Yeah. So that was uh, that was the next ten days. Was there in um, Chiang Rai province at that Puchai Sai resort. Also, I should mention that uh, the the owner of the resort, um, Mom uh, Sudawadi, who happens to be an, an aunt of Ajahn Siripanyo, she. Um, was determined to keep the resort going even in covid with no no guests no no uh, regular visitors coming she was determined to keep it uh, keep it alive and keep it functioning so that she, we could host another retreat there and so uh, she was said she was selling off various bits of property cashing in various assets just to just to keep the place going so we could come back <laughs> and have a retreat there so I was very very touched by that uh, she was uh, more more inclined to have uh, the place used as a meditation retreat center than as a regular resort. So it was very delightful. I felt a lot of mudita for her happiness that we came back there and uh, had this retreat. Uh, her husband had passed away 
recently, a few months before, and so we dedicate we had his picture up on the shrine and dedicated the blessings and merit of the retreat for for him. And uh, she took us to the place where uh, he's uh, he's buried. Um, and she said uh, she he wanted to be out in the out in the hills, and so she chose a spot near the um, the, the center of their property where there's a little sort of uh, coffee shop. And uh, she made a, a garden, planted two thousand roses, and put his body in the ground there. She said that she's booked a place for herself next to next to him. Uh, so it was uh, very very good to see how someone who's uh, very uh, uh, sort of high-ranking member of Thai society, she's a princess, a, a mom, um, but uh, chooses to live extremely simply uh, and has a, a, a very um, uncomplicated life living far away from the city and uh, close to the country was very dedicated also to providing employment and support for local villages and, and uh, people who were struggling with covid and the um, the downturn of the economy so uh, really uh, delightful to be around uh, such a good-hearted person and uh, have an, an environment like that to hold a retreat in. It wasn't just a set of buildings to park ourselves in, but it was very much uh, a place sustained by uh, generosity, wholesomeness, uh, kindness uh, that we were we were able to use. So that, that had its very positive effect. Uh, following the 10-day retreat, then uh, we were in Bangkok for a week, um, even though it was only a three-week um, visit to Thailand, beginning to end, it felt like a couple of months. <laughs> it was all fairly densely packed. It was, I don't think a single day passed without me giving a Dhamma talk one way or another. So um, that, uh, I've done a lot of, even for me, I've done a lot of talking in the last three weeks. Uh, so at uh, Bangkok, we had a number of, of invitations, uh, Ministry of Foreign Affairs, the uh, Ajahn Buddha Dasa Center, the uh, uh, Buddha Dasa Indapanyo Archive, um, uh, also um, with uh, Satyan Dhammasatan, uh, Mechi Sansani, who's been a very good friend and associate of this community. She has established a very wonderful center in Bangkok, uh, Satyan Dhammasatan, which is a very much a training place for, for nuns and very much a focus for for, particularly for women's meditation and Dhamma practice in Bangkok. She passed away from cancer uh, a few months ago in early December, so that her her passing is very strong presence there at Satyan Dhammasatan. She also established this place called Bodhisattva Valley. She's uh, been uh, emphasizing uh, uh, Sri Aryatara, uh, one of the... Um, uh, deities, uh, bodhisattvas from the Tibetan tradition. She sort of introduced that into the Thai, the Thai spiritual pool, and so uh, Bodhisattva Valley, down a couple of hours' drive south of Bangkok. Um, it's a very good example of how much you can develop a place when you don't have planning laws. <laughs> so, in the space of two years, she first visited the property four years ago. They took possession two years ago. And it's uh, so already they've got something like fifteen or twenty buildings. They've put in ponds and uh, uh, huge shrines and uh, extraordinary amount of development. Moved in large, uh, fully grown trees. They planted. It was a, a pineapple plantation before they got there, but it's already transformed into a kind of Amravati size dhamma center. So it's a 
Not that I'm, I'm resenting the planning laws that we have here in England. I think they do a, a great job of protecting the environment and helping to make sure everything is built in a very wholesome and uh, sustainable way and that it's not going to fall apart um, uh, in, uh, uh, because of being badly built. But uh, it was amazing, just the energy and focus and creativity that's gone into creating such a place just in the space of two years. So it was very uh, delightful for us to be able to go down there. Uh, Tan Deepako and also Tan Not, uh, a Thai monk, was on the retreat. He also was traveling with us for, for all of these events. There was about 20 nuns, 20 uh, eight precept nuns living at Bodhisattva Valley and about another, uh, uh, say, 20 or 30 um, living at Satyan Dhammasatan, the main center in Bangkok. And then the, I think the last talks we gave were at uh, the Maya Gotami Foundation and uh, uh, the Angel Group. So I've probably forgotten one or two, so forgive, <laughs> forgive me if there's one or two have fallen off the list. As I said, it's about three in the morning there in Thailand, and uh, my memory faculties are not as sharp as, uh, as, uh, as they can be at the moment. So it was a it was a very rich and uh, uh, and well organized visit. Everything went very smoothly. I also had two days of physical checkups, being thoroughly scanned and checked and measured and <laughs> cameraed uh, in all possible ways, uh, and my eyes as well, so that uh, people can rest assured that my medical checkup was that uh, everything's pretty much uh, in a state of good health. Should lower my salt intake and cholesterol, but apart from that. Everything is uh, A-OK -okay as far as uh, the, the reports go. One of the uh, aspects of uh, our time, though, particularly in Ubon, visiting the senior monks uh, and uh, also seeing the, the picture of Lumpur Kham up on the shrine here, we went to visit Lumpur Kham's monastery. He passed away recently uh, as well and uh, paid respects uh, to, to his body and... Uh, to um, spend time there, a little time there at his uh, his monastery, Wat Thai Patana, and uh, visiting Lumpur Anek. He's still alive, but uh, his health is is waning. He can't sit on the floor anymore. He has to sit on a chair, and his uh, he's very adept on his electric scooter, <laughs> going around to his monastery, Wat Pa Sangam. Uh, Lumpur Liam is still, got, uh, is still very active, but definitely having to, to slow down. He's now uh, in, well into his uh, 80s. And um, that sense of aging and uh, the, uh, the heavenly messengers uh, going to, to visit uh, Kun uh, Ying Noi Thompson. Uh, um, it's a profound and uh, very... Uh, clear message of of uh, fragility of life and the um, the, the ending uh, of life and also we have uh, the um, uh, the body of uh, Manjula's mother here in the chapel of rest uh, at the moment um, and the uh, the the message is there uh, and just people that I've known particularly the elder Arjans who are sort of senior figures in the community just seeing the, the faculties sort of waning and, and uh, decaying. Lumpur Kham was a real bright, uh, bright light, a really uh, sharp-witted 
monkey. He was the kind of monkey who would crack crack jokes in the uh, local dialect that you you couldn't. He, was, he spoke so quickly and and so, in such a sort of accent, you couldn't catch what he said. But everyone would crack up. All the people who spoke the Isan dialect would kind of crack up at his sort of witty remark. You think, ah, what did he say? <laughs> I missed another one. So yeah, such a you know, a live wire. But then the live wire, when the power supply goes, and then that that's a uh, that's the end. Um, so we have the memory, we have the body. Um, one of the uh, uh, the the um, the talks I was invited to give uh, the uh, the talk at the BIA was on the theme of seeing with the eye of Dhamma, which is the title of a of a new a book of teachings um, by. Uh, uh, Ajahn Buddhadasa that's been compiled as a translation of a, a very popular uh, book of, of his in, Thai, in the Thai language. And that uh, seeing with the eye of Dhamma and uh, looking at the process of our life, our world, uh, our field of experience with, with the eye of Dhamma, you know, this, uh, and particularly... When what, when what is seen is the heavenly messengers, you know, so much in the way of, of aging and death, uh, uh, Mom Sudha Wadi's husband, Noi Thompson, Lumpo Kam, Lumpo Anik, Lumpo Liam, these very uh, uh, fine people have been very, uh, living very dedicated lives um, and very committed to Dhamma practice, the, the those lives coming to an end and... Uh, and, and or having ended, to see that with the eye of Dhamma and to to, and to listen to the message of the, the messages of the heavenly messengers and then to uh, apply those messages to our own lives is very important. Also, this uh, tragic death of of this lady in America who was uh, shot by a you know a, 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 in the tragic uh, mass shooting in in the uh, Independence Day parade in Chicago, bullet to the heart, suddenly ending her life just like that, very 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 quickly. The the message um, that we get from the heavenly messengers, from aging, sickness, and death, uh, is the 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 fourth messenger is that of the the religious seeker, the summoner, the encouragement to see with the eye of Dhamma. One of the, 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 the things on considering this and reflecting on it, uh, that seeing with the eye of Dhamma and uh, also seeing the, uh, the aging process of many of these uh, beloved and respected Ajans in Thailand, it reminded me of, of uh, when I went to visit Thailand in, in 1988, so at that time, Lumpur had been paralyzed uh, for about four or five years. Uh, he, he lived for 10 years after he had a, a stroke and uh, was unable to speak, unable to move, and was, was paralyzed uh, for, for that time. So he'd already been in that kind of a state for four or five years when I had the chance to go back and visit Thailand. And um, I remember going to, to see him uh, at Wat Bapong. The group of uh, the Sangha members went over from... What Nanachat, just nearby, they would go over every week to to chant Purita and uh, and dedicate blessings and good wishes for him. And then seeing yeah, Ajahn Shah, he would be in the uh, in sitting up in a wheelchair, quite paralyzed, 
or his, his mouth sort of uh, open and his cheeks sunk in. And uh, it's quite a, a, a sort of a tragic picture in, in many ways. And so it was uh, quite startling to see him again, like, like Lumpur Kam, you know, or even more than Lumpur Kam, he being very, very lively and engaged and kind of incredible sparkling uh, wit and uh, quality of engagement and, and wisdom and and uh, the uh, kind of uh, loving and caring attunement to to teaching people to the time, the, the place, the situation he was in, uh, extraordinary uh, energy and liveliness, and then sort of sitting there in a, in a chair, like uh, or like uh, Lumpur Sumedho said quite a number of times, just like a like a sack of potatoes, just sitting sitting there, so sort of inert and lifeless, and and you know breathing, but. Uh, very kind of shocking, startling to see Lumpur, Lumpur Chao in that that kind of a state, and I remember uh, being there and and uh, seeing seeing him like that uh, in the, in the room, uh, sitting in the wheelchair, and this sense of shock and and uh, and uh, sadness. Uh, then uh, what? But what ha- what uh, happened? As I remember, was that a, a um, uh, strangely enough, a quote from the Bible came to mind because I used to do quite a lot of acting when I was uh, a child and uh, when I was a teenager. The, the very last role I played in a in a theatrical mode was Jesus. <laughs> the, uh, and uh, it was a, a play called "The Man Born to Be the, the Man Born to Be King." And uh, there was the there's a it's a quote from from one of the gospels which says, uh, "Daughters of Jerusalem, do not weep for me, weep for yourselves." And uh, so standing there looking at the Lumpur Chant, thinking, "Oh my goodness, it was so sad. He's so so wrecked, so so lifeless." And then, and then I got this very strong sense of, "Don't weep for me, kiddo." <laughs> You're the one that's in trouble. I'm fine. You know, this might look pretty awful from the outside, but I'm fine. Um, yeah, it's, you're 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 the one who's still got a lot of work to do. <laughs> you're 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 the one in trouble. You know, don't uh, don't uh, don't weep for me. Weep for yourself. So that was a, a, a an interesting insight. So via the Gospel of Luke, <laughs> and, and uh, the uh, the man born to be king that play. Um, but that's what came to mind. It's like. Uh, from the outside, uh, the uh, the worldly eye, it looked like oh, this person's life is really wrecked. They they've lost everything that's good, and there's just this this all that's left of this life is this this body that's still breathing and still the heart is still beating. But uh, you know their 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 life is uh, this person's life has has waned, has has faded, has lost its has lost its value. Um, from the worldly perspective, and then oh, how sad, how tragic that someone who is so alive, so uh, so vital, has has lost all of that. But this, in a sense, that uh, the eye of Dhamma perspective, <laughs> where it's like I'm you know, the the, and again, I I realized I was probably projecting to into uh, Ajahn Chah, but that was the 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 intuition or the insight that arose at that time was that. Uh, you don't weep for me. <laughs> I, I'm fine. <laughs> that uh, 
uh, from the inside, and, uh, uh, and and this is also corroborated by other people who had you know, abilities to sense what was going on in other people's minds. Uh, people, a couple of different um, folks who'd visited Ajahn Chah said, "Oh, yeah, he's he's really fine. Don't don't uh, don't worry about him. He's spending uh, most of his time in a profound." Uh, Samadhi, the uh, uh, Arahat Samadhi. Uh, he doesn't. Have, he's not really bothered by the the dis- discomfort of the body. He's uh, he's uh, uh, his mind is is uh, absorbed in a very sort of peaceful, bright, uh, quiet state. So uh, he's re- he really is fine. <laughs> but uh, that sense of of you know, we might be healthy, we might have our faculties, we might be able to move around and see and hear and smell and taste and touch. But it's those of us, like the daughters of Jerusalem, <laughs> that uh, Jesus was on his way to his crucifixion. Uh, and so they were, the, the women of Jerusalem were weeping for him. But he said, don't weep for me, weep for yourselves. Because uh, uh, that, um, to, to use that comparison, it's those of us, we might have our faculties, we might be able to walk around and move and, and, and uh, talk and, and see and smell and taste and touch uh, you know, with more agency, more uh, personal will being able to be applied to our lives. But we've still got work to do. The mind is is still under the influence of greed, hatred, delusion, that there's, there's a, a still a lot of spiritual work to be done. So uh, you're the one who's still got... <laughs> The work to do. You're you're still in a, uh, subject to to, to dukkha. Um, so uh, you're, uh, if you're going to weep, weep for yourself. Don't don't weep for me. And so that was a, a very uh, uh, powerful insight at the time, that, and that's what you know, came to mind in relationship to to visiting the the ajans and and uh, meeting those um, those heavenly messengers along the way through this this visit. So seeing with the eye of Dhamma, it's a, it's a way of referring to um, stream entry in uh, in many aspects of the teaching, like in the Dhamma Chakra Sutta that we chanted this evening. This is uh, described there uh, with uh, Kandanya as he's listening to the the, the Buddha giving his teaching. Um, uh, Dhamma Chakung Udapadi, the eye of Dhamma arose. Um, and when the eye of Dhamma arose in Kandanya, uh, as it's described in in that sutta, um, what it, what the eye of Dhamma sees, what, what is known by that that uh, sort of quality of, of vision or wisdom, is yankinchi samudaya dhammang sabantang niroda dhamanti. Whatever is subject to arising is subject to cessation. So on a on a worldly level, on a on a, uh, any, on a conceptual level. That's not yeah, that. That's not very um, dramatic. Or, or whatever arises passes away. Uh, a four-year-old can understand that as a concept. What goes up must come down. What begins ends. That's not um, particularly uh, sort of fresh information in some respects. But why it's uh, the uh, liberating insight? Why why it constitutes the opening of the eye of Dhamma or the the seeing of the deathless? Is that the full implications of that realization is what is sinking in to the heart? That's what's really appreciated uh, in that uh, in that change. That that change of vision is like everything that arises passes away. So that 
if that's really uh, acknowledged, if that the full implications of that are taken to heart, then that radically changes the way that uh, that the 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 world is seen, the world of, of our body, our minds, the, the the physical world around us, the people, the the things around us. That the mind uh, recognizes that there is no thing that can possibly be owned or that can permanently please or, or be possessed. There's no thing that is that is precious or delightful that can be kept. There's no thing that's, that's dangerous or painful that can stay forever. That naturally, uh, the, every aspect of the the world uh, the, uh, and, the, and the experience of the world is in a state of change. And so when the, the full implications of that are taken to heart, then there's, uh, there's a, a change of view, a, a change of perspective. And what uh, is called the gotrabu, the change of lineage, is, is what uh, takes place with that, that, that shift. The, uh, one of the ways that the, the Buddha talked about the, the effects of that change, that change of perspective, is he, he, uh, he one particular occasion he reached down and scratched the ground in front of him and held up his his finger and said, "What do you think? Uh, is the is the the amount of earth, uh, the dirt under my fingernail, and the great earth? Uh, which of, which of these two is the greater? You know, which is the, the larger amount, the dirt under my fingernail or the or the great earth itself?" And the, the monks who were gathered there naturally said, "Venerable sir, the amount of of dirt under your fingernail is very, very small. The great earth is very, very large. <laughs> so the, the Buddha then said, so the amount of suffering that one who has made the breakthrough, who has, who's, uh, who's realized that change of lineage, the amount of suffering that they can expect to experience is comparable to the dirt under my fingernail, the earth under my fingernail. The amount of suffering one who has not made the breakthrough, who hasn't uh, realized that change of lineage can expect to experience is comparable to the great earth, the whole planet itself. So the Buddha was uh, supremely gifted in coming up with these um, very memorable images and, and uh, uh, helpful similes so that he's saying it makes a big difference, that change of perspective, seeing with the eye of Dhamma, uh, making this, uh, the, this, this change of view, it makes a big difference. There's <laughs> uh, a, a massive contrast uh, in the way that the, the world is seen and known if that change of perspective is genuinely established in, in the heart. It's called a change of lineage because with that insight uh, that all that arises passes away and it's not self, even though uh, it doesn't sound like much, if that really is taken to heart, then it's, it's recognized that the, the, you know, the body, this body that we call who and what we are, this is in a, a constant state of change that we're uh, we're breathing in, breathing out. We're uh, we're uh, ingesting food and water and excreting you know, every day. This body is in a constant state of change. So rupang anatta, the body is not self. It's not it's not who and what we are. So that we might identify with the body and think of our lineages as our physical parents, our biological parents. But if if there's this realization that the body is not self, then what is what is the the origin of, of what what we are? What is real? So it's called a change of lineage uh, that uh, that gotrabu, 
um, because it's a recognizing that the from the worldly perspective our lineage is our biological parents whether we know them or not or whether we have fond relationships with them or not that that's where this these bodies have all, have all come from from a, a father and a mother uh, that's what the, where these bodies have come from but if the body is not self then <laughs> what is our gotra what is our lineage our, our, our source and so it's, uh, it's uh, recognizing that the, the source of this reality is Dhamma itself. That that's the, the change of lineages from the identifying with a, a biological uh, background and ancestry to the, the spiritual ancestry uh, of Dhamma itself. When uh, that uh, quality of of, uh, of vision is established, then it, it has a radical effect on the the way that we we see our own body, our own personality, and the way that we see the world around us, that is a um, uh, has a, a profound and liberating quality. So when uh, Kundanya uh, understood what the Buddha was saying, then uh, the Buddha was was delighted and you know, called out, "Anyasi Watavo Kundanya." Kundanya understands. Kundanya understands. So from that time on, he was known as Anya Kundanya, Kundanya who understands. Uh, and so the Buddha was was, uh, was uh, uh, delighted to see that yeah, there was uh, people can understand this teaching. They can, uh, say, awaken to this this reality and can be benefited by that. They can uh, realize the quality of, of uh, a profound insight. So that was Kandanya reached the level of stream entry in that that Dhamma talk. The other four companions, the other four. Uh, Wanderers and uh, f- and friends of the of the Buddha had hadn't quite reached that point at that time. But then, when he gave the the next teaching, uh, the Anattalakana Sutta, the discourse on not self, which was as a traditionally given on the uh, the full moon of July. So next week uh, we'll be uh, on Asala Puja. We'll be reciting that um, the Anattalakana Sutta. Um, and uh, as far as I remember, that's uh, what it's uh, associated with. And that the um, the oh, I got that wrong. <laughs> it is very early in the morning. So <laughs> the Asala Puja was when the Buddha gave the Dhammachaka Sutta. But then after that, uh, subsequent to that, he gave the Anattalakana Sutta. And um, and then it was when he gave that teaching about the the the. The insight into not self that um, then all five of them, uh, all five of his companions became arahants. So I feel it's very helpful for us to consider and to 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 say, uh, take to heart the, these principles to recognize it is possible to, for the eye of Dhamma to be opened, for the Dhamma Chakung to Dhamma Chaku, the eye of Dhamma to open, to arise. That. That's a potential that every single one of us has, and that's the the purpose of monastic life, the purpose of uh, entering into Dhamma practice, the purpose of a place like uh, Amravati. It's called the deathless realm. <laughs> Not because when you come in the gate, you automatically realize the deathless. It's a it's a place where the deathless can be. Can, uh, the conditions are ideal for that the deathless to be realized. It, it does take work. Uh, an effort for the the uh, eye of Dhamma to be opened, but it uh, I would say that a place like this is established 
precisely for this purpose, whether we're a layperson here for a day or two, or whether we're uh, here for a, uh, as a layperson for a, a year or two, or we're here in monastic training as a, in, uh, in the eight precepts and ten precepts, uh, and the uh, whatever form we are practicing in, that uh, these are really ideal conditions for this quality of insight to to uh, be brought into into being. And that's what the purpose of all these precepts and the structures that we have, the routines, the um, the the say the the teachings that we follow, the different me- meditation practices that are uh, say uh, uh, carried out and and are used here and described and explained here. All of this is to help these uh, the the hearts and minds of those of us who gather here to awaken to this reality to to the the uh, the nature of the way things are that's what this is all for and so that in this uh, uh, say this place of awakening this place to realize the deathless then the uh, the nature of the work is helpful to to clarify what needs to happen what needs to be done in terms of the effort that needs to be made in order for the eye of dhamma to open and for that radical change of view that change of lineage to be actualized so uh, uh, the um uh the three qualities which constitute the obstacles the 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 things that get in the way of that insight uh, uh, in in terms of uh, the buddha's teaching as we have inherited it in this uh, southern buddhist tradition the first three uh, of the ten fetters uh, that uh, the three qualities that are the 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 kind of shackles or the the chains the 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 things that bind the heart down uh, are Self-view, uh, doubt, and uh, attachment to conventions. So those those three are the, um, uh, the the areas of attachment, identification, grasping. Uh, these three samyojana. Uh, these need to be uh, 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 to. We need to get to know them. <laughs> need to know what they are, how they work. And then to use the capacity that we have, the 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 the, the life energy, the the uh, the kind of for the uh, the faith, uh, sense of resolution, commitment, and the effort to to work on these areas where the heart gets entangled, where it gets uh, caught up and and attached and unidentified. It, speaking in this way, uh, I'm also hesitant because uh, the. Um, uh, it's very easy to for spiritual effort to get hijacked by self-view and conceit, and so that uh, I want to be a stream enterer. I want to, I want to open the eye of Dhamma. I want to to uh, to get beyond uh, all this uh, all this dukkha. You know, I want to to be enlightened. Uh, I've got to get rid of my defilements. I've got to uh, train my mind. I've got to become a. a uh, a, a, a so there's a lot of I, I've got to become, I want to be, I've got to get rid of, so the mind can easily get hijacked by those habits of the desire to become, the desire to get rid of, and that if this a- effort uh, in, in uh, say engaging in spiritual work does get sort of co-opted, taken over 
by this uh, insidious virus of bhavatanna vi bhavatanna, the the rather like you know, the exceptionally comp- uh, effective COVID virus that easily gets everywhere, the 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 uh, avicca, the ignorance virus that uh, that sort of slips into the system and and makes uh, our, the effort that is necessary and useful again it takes that over it infects that with with self view with conceit uh, and so then the um, the the sincere and dedicated efforts that are made to to awaken for the uh, to do what is necessary for the for the eye of of dhamma to open that if that gets co-opted taken over by by conceit and self view then it, it just creates more of a, a an obstacle that the, the very first of those ten fetters is sakaya ditti self view. So if it's I've got a lot of defilements, I need to get rid of them. I want to become a stream enterer. I've got to work harder. I've got to be more sincere. <laughs> the, that that's all uh, sakaya ditti. It's all self view has sort of taken over the the, um, the liberation program. So that it actually just makes the, the that fir- that very first of the ten fetters even stronger. Uh, so it's ironic and tragic that things work in in this way. So one of the things I, I like to emphasize over and over and over is the the importance of effort in spiritual practice in the in the training, effort to be guided uh, and energized. By mindfulness and wisdom, by satipanya, and not by me, <laughs> not by, not by me and mine, not by the, the habits of of self view, and eye making and mind making, and so part of, of this, um, say the the work that we're engaged in, or the 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 purpose that we all gather here for, whether we're a siladura or a bhikkhu or a samanera or a uh, anagarika ka anagarika layperson short-term, long-term, whatever we might uh, be, how, uh, that we discern the, the, the difference between effort being guided by mindfulness and wisdom and practicing Dhamma really in accordance with, with Dhamma and what it's like for effort to be driven by self-view, by the eye-making and mind-making uh, habits. If that can be recognized and let go of, then the efforts... That are made can be genuinely um, say supportive and helpful in uh, in bringing about that that change of view that that change of lineage. Oh, self view, Sakaya uh, Ditti Lumpur Sumedha would uh, I feel very helpfully summarize that as it's the the view the attitude I am the body I am the personality I am a woman I am a man I am 65 years old I am 20 I'm 30 I'm 50 I'm 80 uh, uh, this is my name I, I am Ajahn Amaro this is my my story I am British or I'm American the all those I ams t- the mind that takes those to be absolutely true is the mind that is I- invested in self-view and the uh, to let go of self-view, let go of that habit of I'm the body, I'm the personality, I am this personal story, is recognizing that those uh, ways of speaking, they can only be convenient fictions. They're, they're, they can't be an absolute truth. That uh, 
we're not absolutely male or female or old or young. We don't. Nationality is a convention. Uh, this place uh, used to be um, in uh, Bedfordshire. They moved the county boundary. It's now Hertfordshire. Where are we? <laughs> Uh, a few centuries ago, this was the Kingdom of Essex, yeah, uh, which was separate from the kingdoms of, of Kent and East Anglia, and it was a whole separate kingdom. And before that, there were no uh, defined boundaries. It was just uh, individual villages and tribes just camped out on the ground and moving around. So where are we? <laughs> the conventions of our personality, our name, our age, our nationality, our gender, our personal history, our, our successes, our failures, they seem so real, so solid, so substantial. So this very first of the ten fetters, the ten samyojana, uh, it, it takes the, the uh, say cons- concerted and, and focused effort in, in meditation, particularly developing insight, uh, vipassana meditation, to challenge those habits of thinking, you know, I'm a woman, I'm a man, I'm tall, I'm short, I'm old, I'm young, I'm I'm a success, I'm a failure, I'm happy, I'm unhappy, I'm healthy, I'm sick, and everything in between. Vipassana meditation and the development of wisdom is structured precisely to challenge those assumptions and to see that these can only be half-truths or conventional truths. They can't be anything absolute. These are just, uh, say, ways of talking about this particular set of experiences and that they can't be an absolute reality. The second of the the ten uh, fetters is doubt, vichikicca. In this respect, it's not just doubt about, uh, like if you're on the cooking roster, what should we cook tomorrow? (laughs) Or... uh, what uh, what time uh, uh, am I supposed to meet with this person? I have to go and check the calendar. Uh, it's not that kind of a doubt. There's, it's very uh, very specific. It's a much uh, narrower uh, and uh, particular kind of doubt. It's doubt as to what is the path and what is not the path to to enlightenment. That is the, the specific doubt that is referred to in that. Uh, the doubt of the second fetter, the um, what is the path, what is not the path, and so that uh, letting go, the letting go of self-view, uh, is uh, the the first of the tasks involved in in this whole process. The second is being uh, certain about what needs to be done. You know, what is the path, and that, in a sense, it's uh, that uh, uh, insight that's expressed. In the um, uh, in the Dhammachaka Sutta that I was quoting earlier, Yankinchi Samudaya Dhammang Sabantang Niroda Dhammanti, the path I would suggest is the uh, that uh, uh, recognition that everything <laughs> is in a state of change, and that even to call uh, even to use the word thing uh, is an approximation. There aren't really any things; there are events. Uh, there are, there are uh, patterns of experience come together and are formed into temple or <laughs> or uh, into human body and person, but these are, are not permanent solid things. We could say, well, there's a microphone or clock or chair, but you know this this was a, an oak tree or several oak trees that were growing somewhere, and then the oak trees were cut down and then turned into planks, and then uh, somebody 
commissioned a dhamma seat to be uh, to be to be made in this particular form, and the oak was put together, and it's now a dhamma seat. It'll be a dhamma seat for a number of years, and then it'll it'll change and end up probably being uh, firewood or a chicken roost, or <laughs> uh, it'll uh, transform into into other aspects of the earth, water, fire, and air elements. So that that uh, recognizing that uh, everything is in a state of change, uh, whatever arises passes away, I would say that's one of the, the succinct ways, the clear and direct ways of uh, summarizing what is the path. Uh, the, the, uh, the more that that way of seeing is established in the heart and the effects of that seeing uh, uh, realize that the path is to know <laughs> that nothing, no thing can be owned. There is no thing that we are. There is no uh, no thing that is uh, reliable, uh, dependable. There is no thing that can provide permanent satisfaction. When that is, uh, those qualities are fully recognized. Then it's recognized. Oh, that the result of that recognition is peacefulness, freedom, ease, and uh, a sense of delight and spaciousness of the heart. And seeing that, knowing that, that, is, uh, that indicates this is the path, this is the way forward, is to keep developing that insight, to keep deepening and strengthening that, uh, that understanding, that way of seeing, and letting the implications of that truth sink more and more deeply, more and more fully into the heart until... It influences every aspect of of uh, the moment-to-moment uh, -moment experience. The third uh, of the, the, the these three first three fetters is sila um, bhattabharamasa uh, or attachment to conventions. Uh, technically, it refers particularly to religious conventions, like what's the correct way to bow. Um, the belief that bathing in the river Ganges will, will clear away your bad karma, uh, or that if you've been baptized by uh, a, um, uh, a a priest with a uh, with a with some water or some oil, then you are then uh, a, uh, belong to this particular religion, or you're uh, you're born to a particular set of parents, and so you're be, you are part of that particular religion. So the, that's one aspect of Sila Bhatta Paramasa, the attachment to conventions. Uh, Lumpur Chah would always emphasize that it's much broader than just religious conventions and agreements, but uh, the conventions that we have in society about what's the right way to eat, what's the right way to, to dress, what's, what's, uh, the, uh, uh, what's appropriate to, to a particular situation. These are human agreements that uh, we take to be absolute facts. Like, oh, no, that's not the right way to eat. You shouldn't eat like that. You should eat like this. You, you do this with your right hand, not your left hand. This is your uh, sets of, of conventions and, and standards that societies bring up, but they are, they are and can only be human agreements. Uh, the, um, you know, on a shrine, we have the, you know, the Buddha images in the highest place. And the, the flowers and uh, and the candles are to uh, to one side and are lower down. If you set up a shrine with the the Buddha image down below and the flowers on top, then 
according to the standard way of arranging shrines, then that, oh, that's that's wrong. It shouldn't be that way. But each thing is just what it is. Like the flowers are the flowers. The 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 Buddha rupa is a Buddha rupa. It's not intrinsically and absolutely wrong for the Buddha rupa to be lower than the flowers. It's just according to our customs in the Buddhist tradition, that's not the way you arrange it. <laughs> it's a convention, and that. And the mind sees, oh, that's wrong. It shouldn't be there. That, that's that's the wrong thing. It's the wrong way around. That the mind that can recognize, oh, well, that's wrong according to the convention, but in itself, it's just rupa kanda. It's just the material form uh, arranged in a particular pattern. That's it. It's the mind that adds the wrongness. That's uh, that's ne- uh, and that's uh, always going to be the case. So uh, Sila Pata Paramasa is uh, the third of the, those first three, the first three fetters. And that the more that we can use our practice, use our capacity for wise reflection and uh, investigation of Dhamma, Dhamma Vichaya, Yoniso Manasikara, this ability of the mind to investigate, to look at the habits of thinking, the habits of attitude, the things that we tend to believe and well, what triggers like and dislike, approval, disapproval uh, within us, uh, we can explore these different areas uh, of, of uh, self, how self-view gets formed and sustained and how that can be let go of, uh, where the mind is in doubt, how to, to recognize uh, what is the, the path to genuine freedom and peace and ease and what is not the path, and uh, seeing the, the habits of attachment to conventions. We can use our energy, our, our human life, our abilities to, to, to see and to know, to, to consider, to look at these areas of attachment, entanglement, and challenge them. Use the practice, use our, our faculties to, to recognize um, what is obstructing the eye of Dhamma, <laughs> what is keeping that eye closed, and looking at uh, those obstacles, looking at those, those fetters, those entanglements, looking at them, knowing them, challenging them, using our, our life here and using the, this wonderful environment that we have here at uh, Amravati to, uh, and uh, uh, the support of each other to encourage that, that work. And then uh, as we get to know those areas and use our faculties to explore and to, to let go of those uh, those fetters, those obstacles, then we can experience the results of, of changing uh, the vision, changing the the, the perspective. Uh, and uh, even if it's just for a moment here and there, when the insight uh, arises, then there's a, a taste of that change of lineage, that change of view, that different way of seeing, that moment when the heart recognizes, oh, how could this have an owner? This, How could this body be mine? Like it's like owning a cloud or a star it's like owning how could he own a star or own a cloud or how can anything be owned and what is there to do any owning oh of course and maybe that's just for a second or half a second but notice those moments notice the uh, the quality uh, how how the heart is in those moments of clarity notice that feel that let that be fully conscious and then that's that contributes to pointing out this is the path, this is the, the way forward to keep strengthening that insight into, uh, 
into anicca and dukkha anatta, and then the the way becomes more and more clear, and uh, the energy, the interest, the uh, and dedication to keep following that for the benefit of this being and for the benefit uh, of all beings. So I offer these thoughts for consideration this evening. <laughs>